It's Tennessee Titans talk. Vegas thinks the total points is going to be 37 or under this week. When we got that news, Landon responded, hit the under. Maybe that kind of week for us, big fella. Low scoring game. Yeah, because we're going to score 37. Well, we didn't get a chance to talk on this podcast about the Chiefs game, but we watched that together, and, you know, I didn't expect it to be much of a game. We've done that in the past. We just could not, Landon, score any points in the last eight minutes of that game. Yeah, not, and really the entire second half offense fell apart like it always did. Derrick Henry, who looked like close to his prime self, looked like he might get 200 yards at halftime, got 20 in the second half. Our last seven drives had zero net yards, counting sacks. Yes, the first half offense was kind of carried by Henry ripping some big runs and Willis hitting a couple completions, but we were still moving the ball reasonably well. Then the second half, like it always did, it completely fell apart. It left the defense out to dry, and the defense did everything it could to stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. It took them 90 plays to score 20 points. Just the entire performance on Sunday might have been the best performance by a losing team all year, considering how little we had to work with. The fact that the Chiefs had to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion in the last five minutes, had to go to overtime to beat a team that was missing. It's quarterback one, it's wide receiver one, it's wide receiver three, it's wide receiver four, it's edge one for half the game because Dupree went out again, and it's cornerback two and cornerback three. To miss all those things and to still have to go to overtime... There's no such thing as a moral victory. Or, but I think if it's inverted, if we were Chiefs fans coming out of that game, we wouldn't be feeling that good because we'd be talking about how they had no quarterback, they had no passing game, their secondary should have been banged up, and yet we were the ones trailing most of the game. We were the ones that had to pull it, pull a rabbit out of the hat to win that game. So even though we're 5-3, and three, feels a lot different than 6-2, and two, probably knocks us out of the one-seed race. It should be encouraging because this was us at our absolute worst, and we pushed the Chiefs at Arrowhead on Sunday night, coming off a bye week. We pushed them to the very brink, and it easily could have gone the other way. Well, yeah, so basically, Lynn, you're saying the Chiefs fans feel like we failed after every single win this season. They didn't feel confident about the win, but it's it's a notch in the win column. Yeah, I, pretty much. Yeah, I, t- I have a feeling we're going to be seeing these guys again in January and uh yeah same same place even probably uh and like lynn you said i mean mahomes threw 68 passes that is two away from the nfl record all they can't be thrilled about that that that's what that took to beat a team without a quarterback and any receivers and it demolished secondary too and i guess that's my point big fella my big takeaway is well malik willis threw i mean i know he was limited i think he actually we dropped back for too many passes, and at the end of the game, I don't know why we didn't just – we've always just run Henry up the middle for no reason. Why wouldn't we do that then? And or really what I came away thinking was Willis threw some beautiful balls that, like, Conley dropped that ball. It went right through his hands. I mean, there's some potential there. He's not ready. The biggest thing is we are legitimately an AFC playoff team without a quarterback and without receivers. We still are 5-3. and three. I mean, that it kind of came across – like, we're not a complete team, but, I mean, well, I think we have one of the great coaches in the NFL. Oh, without a doubt. And, I mean, you know, his record 
since I think I saw a stat the other day that out of the 2018 head coach hire, head coach hires, he's the only one still standing, and not, not even that. He's taken us to the playoffs for the last three years and had four winning seasons. So yeah, Vrabel's awesome, and um, yeah, I mean the one thing too that I always think about, we're all we're always gonna get healthier because. We're so banged up to start the season. Like, it looks like, I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but we're going to get Traylon Burks back. Hopefully, we'll have Tannehill back. We get Elijah Molden back, and guys slowly start to get healthier. Yeah, we've got some big question marks elsewhere. But one thing, too, that I've noticed and that you guys noticed as well, like you're saying, with Malik Willis, I think we need to get more creative. We're putting him in these situations where he's going to fail. I mean... He is an incredible athlete, so run. Use him in design play actions and, you know, RPOs and, you know, make everybody account for him as a runner. I I just think it's stupid that we're not doing it. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson when he came into the league. They've been incredible without any real receivers, and it's because Lamar, they they call designed runs for him, and they've they've had a ground game. That's us. I mean, do that. The problem is we turtled up like we always did, except this time yep. we didn't have Tannehill to bail us out. Yep. Because the second half play calling was atrocious. It was a joke. The only points we scored were off an interception where we started the 30-yard line and we got five yards and kicked a field goal. So the only thing we did on offense was because the defense was making a play. Yeah, well, and I knew on the Chiefs' first drive when they ate up over eight minutes of the first quarter on their first drive, I knew we were going to be in trouble. It w- it wasn't necessarily right then and there, but I knew at one point in the game we were going to be in trouble. And it yeah, we it played happened. not yeah we played not to lose, and we played to let the game end and hope we hung on. You can't do that against the Chiefs. No. And we and we were still so close, and I guess that's what's frustrating is because if you had told me before the game, hey, the Titans only lose by three, I was, I'd be disappointed. But it's like, hey, it's a lot better than that thirteen point line. I thought I, was, I thought we were going to get blown out. Except, oh, yeah. we lo- except we lost by three after leading for most of the game, and that's the hard part. That sucks. Nobody in America thought we'd push him into overtime, but there we were at the end. And it's just, there's so many plays where you look at it and say, well, if this went wrong, like if we stop Mahomes on that third and 17 scramble, if Kelsey gets called for ripping off Kalu's helmet and they replay that second two-point conversion from the two instead of the one, if Todd Downing just doesn't sabotage us again, just so many things where... We had the ball with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter with the, a reasonable feel. Like, we were at the 20-25. You drive, you get a field goal, it's game over with how the defense is played. And the offense sputtered out. The best teams in the AFC by a wide margin, the Bills and the Chiefs, just in the way that they played, even being being really good teams this season, they're both beatable in January. Mm-hmm. Now, we beat Kansas City in January up there after they had really good seasons. Look and at I the Bills right Sunday now. Sunday night was a great illustration of that, and the Bills – all the, I mean, they beat the brakes off of us, but they haven't been to a Super Bowl, and they, for three or four years, have had a really good team. It's good if you're a Titans fan or Bengals fan or something because you see where uh, the, either one of those teams could lose a home game. I know we're getting in front of ourselves, but we didn't have Tannehill. We didn't have a lot of guys in our defensive backfield, and we still gave them overtime. Yeah, there's no juggernauts in the AFC, and it's encouraging because our division is a joke. I'm sure we'll get to that in the in the back end of this episode. We can just go on cruise control and just get to the playoffs as healthy as possible. And it won't be like last year where we only had to win three games to win a Super Bowl. But this year, we host a home game, 
and there's no juggernaut team like the Patriots of older, the Chiefs when they're at their peak where it's like, oh man, that's going to be really, really hard to beat them. I mean, we saw like the Bills got shut down by the Jets, and Josh Allen's throwing elbow is banged up. I mean, the Chiefs we just saw, we took them to the brink. And another thing, the Chiefs have been the second healthiest team behind the Eagles. And I grabbed about that. Like, the only guy they were missing was their backup tight end. So it's like they're playing as, their team is as optimal as can be. It took a miracle out of Mahomes and some iffy refing for them to sneak out a win coming off a bye at home. Yeah, they've got some real questions. They've got a really good team, but and uh, they're, they're well coached, and Mahomes is... The offense is too one-dimensional. It's not perfect. It's too way too one-dimensional. Like Pacheco it could be good, but this is his first year playing, and he'd be really a good kind of specialist. And he's their best friend. He's way better than Edwards Alaire. Uh, so they got some real issues there, and I understand how they let themselves be that one-dimensional. I like it because it gives us hope. I know we talk about this. We I know Titans fans and Titans podcasts talk about this all the time. But to not beat it to death, because oh, we haven't really got into this, but every week, this last week especially, it just underscores how bad the A.J. Brown trade was. <sighs> because if you got a team like that, that he literally, if he was on the field, he could have been the difference. Like, we had no explosion except for... I mean, the big question, and what I've been getting all week is, why don't we run Henry more? Well, we were in some obvious passing downs, and that little go route that he used to catch five yards in, big fella, and take it to the house, I mean, like... It's really getting more and more indefensible that we made that trade. Yep. I mean, it's just when you look at our leading receiver, Robert Woods, he's got 22 catches for like 220 yards. That's not in the game. That's in the year. We've played nine games, nine games, eight games. It's just unreal how yeah, different is, yeah. one person can, can make a team look. Yeah, this is one of the most embarrassing receiver cores I've seen since I've been watching football, which has been seven eight years there have been some teams that have produced just as little but i think more that was also just the quarterback talent around them but even when we have Tannehill, and you just look at the names and even if burks comes back and he's good and he's better than that giants game where he flashed it's like it's it's burks it's woods who i don't know if we just aren't using him right or he's well i don't think i don't think woods is ever going to be a number one he doesn't he doesn't have that size or skill set. He needs to be a solid number two. Yeah, so if we had AJ Brown, he would be nice. And the thing is, I mean, we saw it last we saw it late in the game when we threw that deep ball to Nick Westbrook and he had a chance on that. And if we have an NFL caliber receiver, he probably makes that catch. And maybe that drive goes differently. And the same thing with Chris Conley. When Chris Conley was on the field, the three of us had no idea who that was. And if you're at that point where a skill position player where we don't know who that is, not a backup nose tackle, not a fourth tight end. If we don't know who a receiver on our roster is that's getting snaps, that's a problem. I agree, and especially when you had a world-class receiver, and you, you it just is hard to understand because he was kind of he was perfect for a game like that. He mm-hmm. was literally perfect for kind of yeah, crap could, offense and just stretch it because it's not like could really use Tyree Kill and just throw it, whatever. But just give that go route, somebody with strength and explosion. It was like, oh man, it's just yeah. he every drop it week like it becomes more and more obvious, and it's like, ugh. Wolf. Even with all of Willis's limitations, AJ Brown's the kind of receiver where it's like, well, we well, can throw if, a five-yard yeah. slant. Yeah, yeah, that's what well, I kept thinking. Yeah, and it's like if he's not, if you're not having to throw over the middle field through all that traffic, just chuck it to AJ Brown, see what happens. Why not? I mean, we've got nothing else going for us. 
He doesn't drop it like Chris Conley does. He doesn't fail to make the catch like Nick Westbrook-Kakina. He's a lot more dangerous than anything else. And it just it gets worse and worse. And even if Burks comes back this year, we talked about how the AFC is wide open because there's the two top teams kind of at the top, then a bunch in the middle, and even the top teams are starting to fall back to earth. I mean, we talked about last year how that was our year. With how we've seen the defense this year, if we have J.J. Brown, who just look at what he's done in Philly, if we have him on that team, we're feeling a lot better about our chances yeah. come playoff time. Especially with Buffalo and KC, with AJ, with a healthy A.J. Brown, John, I would really be like, you know, we could pull up angles. I don't yeah. think that now. And it's like they undercut our window yeah. by at least a year. And I I'm, I know that I was gonna willing to see how it looked. And it's not just that Burks is hurt because it's like, give me a break. And it's it just seems so obvious that we uh, absolutely just – it's like we cut the biggest branch off of our tree. Yeah, with A.J. Brown, right it. now yeah. we would be 7-1. and one, I guarantee you. And that is a that, tough pill to seems swallow. that way, or six and two. Even if you wanted to do the margin of error on stuff, it's like. Mm. But even if we were five and three, you would be like he in January, right? Because he's a great cold weather football player because he doesn't need a grip or he doesn't need to run. He's just so explosive and so strong. We so we've seen that from him, you know, when he's healthy. So let's talk about Broncos. I think that's kind of a blah team and maybe a blah game. I bet it'll be really fun Sunday. But they have more questions. <laughs> us um they have a lot of big russell wilson conundrum. who knows how that's going to end uh, he may work out the kinks but he's looking like a different player let's start with the line big fella what's the line for titans broncos the line is currently i've seen it fluctuate a little bit DraftKings right now has this as three point favorites which, Lana, what's your take yeah. on that and then uh big fella you uh tell us what you think i want to say that we are better than we're th- we're more than three points better than the broncos the game is going to be so low scoring that one fluky play can flip the script so much. And it seems fair. I would still take us because I think we'll win. But I would definitely take the under because 21-17 is right at it. Is their team going to score 21 outside of a fluky defensive touchdown? Because neither of us are racking up defensive touchdowns so far this year. Uh, I think we had one two weeks ago. Yeah, we had we had one. The Broncos, I think, had <laughs> zero or one. We're not... We're not the Cowboys last year when they scored like eight. We're not the 2019 Patriots when they scored like 10. It's not like, well, you can, against a bad offense, you feel pretty confident there's a good chance we'll get a defensive touchdown. It's really unlikely in this game. It won't be, I'm not sure, because on one hand, I do think the Broncos offense is more incompetent than pathetic like the Colts offense was when we saw them here in Nashville. But it will be a similarly gross game because... They are the best pass defense in the NFL. Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback in the NFL. So passing is going to be rough, even though they traded Bradley Chubb, their best edge rusher, and Randy Gregory still hasn't been activated from IR yet. Their run defense is a soft spot by a long shot, so hopefully Derrick Henry will have a big day, extend his rushing title lead. And then on the best run defense in the NFL, they haven't been good at running the ball anyway. So they're... Success rests on Russell Wilson's shoulders, and Russell Wilson is not good. So we're going to see him dropping back probably 40 times, 40, 45 times, and he's just, he's not good. He's not the guy we saw in Seattle where he scares you. I mean, honestly, he's a joke. Uh, I know we're doing this on Thursday night, a little bit later. What's your biggest take on who we're going to see and not see for both teams Sunday? goes first because their injury report is shorter which we could say about all other 31 teams 
Aaron Browning, who's been a good second edge rusher for them, he would be their best edge rusher since they trade Chubb. He's back-to-back DMPs, so I'm leaning towards him being out. Then Lloyd Cushenberry, who's been their starting center, went on IR, so he's out. Randy Gregory, I haven't seen anything on him opening on them opening his activation window, so he's out. So their edge rushers are a bit soft depth-wise. The interior defensive line is still really good. Other than that, they should they're pretty much healthy other than the season injury injuries they've already had. And then for us, somehow the injury report got even longer. <laughs> now I think it's let me count this real fast. Honestly, I think it's close to 20 players that popped up. Cunningham, Dupree, Amani Hooker, Simmons, who was seen in a walking boot yesterday, and Tier Tart have all, none of them have practiced all week. Tart is sick. Simmons was in the ankle, was in a boot. He, did, he hasn't practiced the past two weeks, but he still played in the past two games. Hooker out because apparently his shoulder was a big deal even though it didn't look that bad against the Texans Debris his hip popped up against Kansas City he probably doesn't play if he's not practicing all week then Cunningham I think is just managing his elbow injury Fulton because he was limited with the hamstring yesterday and now he's a DMP today the Broncos passing offense is a joke but still missing Fulton if Moulton isn't back is going to be an issue then Tannehill is a full participant today. He got upgraded from limited to full. So it looks like he's trending towards being back in, which is good because, I mean, Willis had some nice moments. We saw, especially down the stretch, he just looked lost out there. And even if Tannehill wouldn't have thrown for any more yards than Willis did, he wouldn't have just taken all those back-breaking sacks. I'm glad you brought up Tannehill because, Big Fella, I want to ask you – has he been on fall break for two weeks? I mean, um, I know I, it's good that he's that he's healed up and healthy. We saw him on the sideline. Uh, the fan base, I know, um, we're still behind him. I know we watched this game with my dad, and I don't, he represents a lot of kind of um, fan base. You know, it was, it was surprising to us, his thoughts about Tannehill, because I know we're still behind him, the three of us. We still want to think the best. We see the reality of – of his limitations and my dad is just like over Ryan Tannehill because he said that about not wanting to uh, mentor Willis and I just think he uh, I think a lot of our fan base is the demographic of my dad and a little bit older and working class but you know follows this team and really thinks uh to you and what do you expect to see from him you know with him on the field and do you expect to see him Sunday yeah I don't know I mean I think Tannehill gets a bad rep um, points to the fact that he, you know, Tannehill hasn't won a playoff game except for the 2019 run, which is mostly on the back of, of Derrick Henry. Um, and I get that. And we're paying Tannehill a lot of money. And I also get that. And we look at things like that Tannehill contract. Maybe that prevents us from keeping AJ. Maybe that prevents us from extending um, Jeff Simmons. A, a, a bunch of these things. And you start to cumulatively look at that and it's like, Oh, well, if he's not going to play like he did in 19, he's gone. You know, he's back to the Miami version of himself. The quarterback gives us our best shot to win, but I also do want to see Malik Willis because we have to know what we we have to know what we have on the roster for the future. And I am kind of curious to see Malik Willis play at home because 
having played football, there is a much different feeling when you're at home versus on the road. You get to wake up your own, wake up in your own bed. You get to do your routine how you know it. And I mean, I, I we've always said whenever we're talking about people starting, um, you know, first game or their first time they're starting, like it's tough as a rookie to start in a, an opposing team stadium. It's really really hard, let alone in that weird, funky stadium in Houston or in Arrowhead. It's difficult. Lana, what do you expect to see from Tannehill the rest of the season? Hopefully him missing the Kansas City game was more of a precautionary measure. So he should get closer back to full strength. And like you said, he gives us the best chance to win. I don't expect any volume passing because even before he got hurt, just we weren't passing at all. We don't have the weapons, even if Burks and Phillips and Racing McMath all came back. But he he's a steadying presence on offense. He gives us a respectable passing offense. It's not much, but at least when it's third and medium, you're not praying for something to happen because you at least somewhat trust Tannehill to make, to make the right play. And hopefully this Kansas City game woke a lot of people up that were calling for Tannehill's head and wanting Willis to start. Like, we see Tannehill, he doesn't throw for any yards. He throws less than a touchdown a game. The offense looks so clunky. It's not Tannehill. It's the play calling. It's the offensive line. It's the weapons. And we do acknowledge that, but we still, when I say we, I mean the fan base in general, we still put the blame on Tannehill for not making something happen. There is not a single quarterback you could in the NFL right now that you could put on this team that would look above average. You could put Mahomes and Josh Allen and maybe and make something happen, maybe Josh Allen with his mobility. But we have no weapons. We have no pass blocking. Our best what Derrick Henry is amazing, but he's not a pass-catching running back. You can't use him like Kamara or McCaffrey. There is nothing going for Tannehill, and he shows up every day. He gets the crap beat out of him. He he's, he's, Everyone rags on him, and he still shows up. He still gives us the best chance to win. And he had the 2019 and 2020 offenses around him. He probably isn't playing to that level. But he's still playing a lot better. And Dennis I Daly, think, dead. Aaron Brewer, John. dead. <laughs> Offensive line, dead. It might as well be I dead. I was thinking the same thing. Oh, Big Fellow, Landon has a lot of credibility. He follows this closely. He knows what he's looking at at this point. Uh, but agree that there's not really a quarterback in the NFL that they do major damage with this offensive line and this play calling. Is he right? Yeah, no, he is. He's, he's spot on. I mean, Malik may arguably be one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league. And he snap, he had less than three seconds pretty much every play over the last two games. And that's against a very atrocious Houston defense. Uh, and they, they, you know, Andy Reid knows how to do this. He's going to blitz Malik Willis all night long. And that's what happened. They had a couple of sacks from corners. Um, can't block anybody. And it's horrible. I mean... Ben Jones and Nate Davis can't do it all. We saw Nick Petit-Friere get beat. We saw Dennis Daly get smoked. We saw Aaron Brewer not exist. I mean, you can't do it. You need to have average to above average offensive linemen, and right now we've got two out of five. Yeah, if, Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers was on this team, he would have raged quit a couple weeks ago. If, <laughs> totally if Brady would. was on this team... He would have smashed up the locker room if he had to throw to these guys. And they would have broken. Line. They would have broken thirty-five surface tablets already. Yeah, which speaks to the culture we have, the culture of the city, the just the style 
of us the how Vrabel is as a coach and how Ryan Tannehill is. Because quarterback, if there were any situation in the league where a quarterback was rightfully deserved to bitch about the situation around him and complain about how he's being sabotaged, it's Tannehill this season, and he puts up with it. And we will have... Joe Burrow. At least... Oh, I would kill to have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. That was about and, to say... And, and yeah. some of their offensive linemen, at least on paper. I would Yeah, that's not that. nice because it's like... Um, Burrow's not throwing to Conley, so I'm, yeah. I'm gonna. Oh, yeah, up until, I'm glad I edit this podcast. Yeah. I'm gonna cut that out. Yeah. But I just think about what a butt kicking he takes every week. But you're yeah. right. I mean, at least I don't know if they would trade with it. Boyd. Yeah, I think Tannehill might make that trade. Yeah, I do think we will have a really interesting decision to make this offseason because Tannehill's cap number is massive because of the restructuring. Willis has shown flashes. You think you can move the savings from Tano's contract. You get some talent around Willis, see what happens. Because Willis, really did throw, he really did show some flashes. You think you can buy a receiver or two in free agency. You get a lineman or two. And then you draft around Willis. You see what you've got. But at the same time, I mean, for as bad as the offense has been, Tannehill is the glue holding this house of cards together. And if we make a good playoff push if we get really close to the AFC championship game or we get close to a Super Bowl I think it's worthwhile if we can make the money work if we can pay Simmons and Long and Nate Davis and draft some guys I really do think we could see Tannehill back next season it feels like it's been a foregone conclusion since we drafted Willis and since the Bengals game that this is Tannehill's last year but the defense is championship caliber the offense, as long as Derrick Henry is cooking, is good enough. And Tannehill, we'll, I mean, we'll see if they want to do a soft reboot and go with the upside of Willis just because he has a higher ceiling because Tannehill has proven he can't be trusted in the playoffs. But, I mean, if you think we draft a lineman, we draft some receivers, we just the offensive situation can't get worse. If it gets a bit better... Why would we not bring back Tannehill if we can make the money work? Because we've yeah. seen in the past, he is not the problem. I think a lot of our fan base assumes he's not going to be here next year. But, big fella, I agree with Landon. Malik Willis might be ready, but I don't think next year, I don't think they're willing to risk their jobs on that. And no. you never know. I mean, a lot of it is contingent on what happens the rest of the season and who comes available. We know they're bold. But I expect to see him back next year, too. I, I do, too. I mean, unless, you know, somehow Lamar Jackson – makes his way out of Baltimore and they don't tag him because I think I think Lamar hates Harbaugh and Harbaugh hates Lamar for whatever reason so I'll be curious to see how that situation plays out but even so I don't I don't I don't picture us as buyers on a you know arguably the biggest quarterback contract in the history of the game I guaranteed so don't, e don't even don't even give me a glimmer of hope on that big fella <laughs> I mean you know if well, the good, news not, is the, the good news is that's not the game we play. Yeah, the good news is the Ravens will never let a former MVP, a guy that is perennially the eighth to tenth best quarterback, on the low end. They will never let that guy hit free agency. They will tag him. They will trade him at worst. Because yeah, and beyond Jets, that, he's non-Titan in the NFL, so uh, things like that don't happen to me. Not yeah. in sports, anyways. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, like again, yeah. it won't happen. But yes, the Jets exist. The Lions exist. They will. Don't let 
an in his prime quarterback that has the potential of Lamar and the ceiling of Lamar and the track record, you don't let him go away for nothing. You franchise tag him because at the very least, he's holding their just holding our office together. He's holding their office together and pushing it to greater heights, but he's still holding it together with no receivers in the mid-offensive line. If they lose Lamar, Harbaugh's gone. That front office, even though they changed not too long ago, everything's in jeopardy because Lamar is propping up that franchise because the 2019 and 2020 teams were really, really good across the board. But since then, injuries and losing veterans, he is masking a lot of their issues just like Peyton Manning did in Indy. Now, they aren't as poorly run as Indy, but if Lamar leaves Baltimore, they do, they name Ravens that we hate playing. Oh, their defense is going to be stacked for a while, but, you know, I didn't mean to throw that wild dart out there. Um, well, that will never think... happen because if this were the NBA where Lamar, when Lamar hits free agency, he hits free agency, he can go wherever he would want. I, I would have made his decision. <laughs> Sunday night, uh, Nate Davis is, has a big impact on our offense. Ran a lot better behind him. He looks healthy. Oh, this defensive line for the Broncos, they have a good defense. I think the against the run individually. Uh, that's for this game because this this is a, a very losable game. Um, and contract we had to continue to win. Jacksonville is so hit or miss, but I don't think winning games exactly like this. That's the matchup that I'm looking for. Nate Davis against the right-hand side of, of this defensive line. What's a big matchup for you guys? What's going to be the, the winning or losing matchup on Sunday? Rotational defensive lineman against the Broncos banged up offensive line. Because we already know they're not going to be able to run on us. Even if Simmons is out, they haven't been able to, been able to run all year. I don't think he's going to play, which does worry me a bit. I actually think, I don't think he plays this game or the Packers game because these offenses are so bad that we don't need him to win. And just because he, Indy is crumbling our eyes. And Jacksonville, I mean, yeah, they won their first game in five games, but it was against the Raiders, who are the biggest chokers in the NFL. I'm not scared of Jacksonville. And the good news is, this isn't college football. Our record doesn't matter as long as we finish first. Odds are, we finish the four seed no matter what. It doesn't matter if we're 8-9. and nine. If we're healthy, that's all that matters. So I think we're going to play it super safe with Simmons. But on Sunday night, all, Simmons was getting so much attention. Demarcus Walker and Mario Edwards who have been fringe rotational guys, showed up huge. They were m making impact plays over and over and over. I do think just the Broncos' passing offense is so out of sorts and they don't have the weapons to threaten us. I do think those guys can fill in enough for Dupree and Simmons. And just It's nice knowing that even though Luce and Adeni's out, that we can find these guys that were cast-offs and no one thought because Demarcus Walker... As Bam Edwards, I don't even think he played in the NFL last year. We find these guys, they they show up, they're getting pressure, they're executing, they're making something happen. It's encouraging how you win the playoffs. You have super line and you have death behind them. And so far this year, we've proved that even with losing Landry. I mean, that the Nico Autry signing, what, last offseason? Looks better. He just looks like yeah. such value. It's, um, I think it's free agency signings of the past couple of years because he's making $7 million, which is, I think, below average money. And he's a pro bowler, I think. Autry, 
we'd be dead. We'd be dead in the water. Go that may not be a household name in Nashville that you think you're going to have your eye on that Titans fans <laughs> need to look for Sunday. One guy I eye out for is and to when we played the Broncos in night football in 2020, he backer that nobody had heard of. And he up Derrick Henry multiple times. I don't know if he's in, but I have literally not forgotten that guy. And he's all this year. He's definitely their best linebacker and he's better in run defense and tackling than coverage, which is good for them this game because this game for us is all about how much can we spam Henry the past couple weeks, even though we lost and we didn't use Henry at all in the second half, it is only had 16 carries and he got a little bit of rest. Because this is the game where we're going to run him 25, 30 times just because they'll be able to stop us. They're 27th in yards per carry allowed. They're 25th in DVOA. They've got offensive fronts. So really their one hope of Henry not having a monster game. About Russell Wilson. And I think sometimes when you have a player that's been good for a long time and they struggle, it's just so much fun for the media to jump on that and make it a big story. We've got a couple examples of that. And guys that have been outspoken, uh, Russell Wilson, of course, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers. There is something a little weird and a little fake about Wilson. And I always thought that, and you see everybody talk about it now, but I always thought he's not necessarily a bad guy or anything, but he just always seemed like a NASCAR guy or something. He was so fake. And, uh, now, it's to the, and now it's to the point where um, I'm hard on him because he's just cheesy. I don't know that he's a bad guy or anything. But John Hassim is the 28th-ranked quarterback in Week 2. There's a bit of a sample size here. What do you see from What do you look for him in this game Sunday and the rest of the season? Are they going to get this back on track? I mean, they're in a precarious situation as well. I, I To see a guy like Russell Wilson, who is a perennial MVP candidate with the Seahawks, trade, you know, change teams, get a massacre, literally the franchise, you know, Broncos fans were already buying Super Bowl tickets. And like you said, Russell Wilson, bottom of the barrel quarterback-wise. To demonstrate how difficult it is to be in the NFL as a quarterback and to learn a different offense. This is something completely different than he's done in Seattle. And, you know, he doesn't have Pete Carroll, who he was like a bro with. And they were able to just look at each other and figure out a play call. And I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is that good either. I mean, a downing situation with us, too, because I think, I think, Lynn, Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Hackett calls their plays a, a downing thing, like the stupid play calls, and, you know, everybody just over-value, over, overestimates the talent of Jerry Judy, uh, like, in Tim Patton. It's just like, meh. Yeah, they're back on track. Our, in Kansas City... Gassed, and we held the Chiefs to a field goal in overtime, and it looked like they were going to score a touchdown. It's not Kansas. And they're not the excuse of, well, all of our receivers are banged up, and our quarterback missed the game, so we'll get healthier, we'll get better. No. Wilson, Wilson's injured, like a lot of quarterbacks are, but he's been playing the past couple weeks. He's only missed one game. Sutton, healthy. And talent-wise, would be good enough, especially compared to what we've been trotting out. Dulcich, who's a rookie is providing a nice vertical stretch element. The offensive line, it's it's banged up good, but it's not atrocious. It's not us. Their offense should be doing much, much better than ours, yet we've been doing better. One, 
because Derrick Henry is awesome, and two, because Ryan Tannehill is better than Russell Wilson, which if you had told anyone before the season that, they would have laughed at you. But Tannehill, for all his faults, and he doesn't make stupid decisions. Quinn Meners was the guy from like Wisconsin Whitewater. I remember a few years ago, it's like, yeah, a D3 guy went like in the third round and big yeah, fella just started head. working out again. Uh, what's that? The senior bowl, because he just practiced and he had a, like <laughs> yeah. the short undershirt and he just, his belly's hanging out while he's practicing. Yeah. And so uh, he, he reignited big fella's division three dreams and he's a really <laughs> good player. Now you mentioned earlier, Landon, the strength of our team and it seems to be getting stronger is, and it goes four or five guys. They are defensive line. I've been really impressed with Tart and, uh, and I don't know these guys. I don't know if we're developing these guys. We got lucky on these guys. And I just love watching, but even Walker, some of these guys, it's like when we had Jim Washburn as a coach 10, 15 years ago, and just, we just printed guys. Uh, they were just a lot of really good uh, defensive linemen. So I think there are some real questions on their offensive line, but my guy to kind of see is Maneers. I, I like the way he plays. He, He's not a great pass blocker, but he's one heck of a run blocker. Yeah, and their best lineman overall this year. He hasn't played all year because he's only been slotted in because of injuries, but they're missing Garrett Bowles at left tackle, so their tackles are a joke, which is good for Walker and Mario Edwards and Dupree if he plays, but I doubt that. And then the offense. He's always been a guy that works so well outside of structure and creating those crazy plays with his legs and his mobility. And one, he doesn't have the chemistry with his receivers. Two, he doesn't have as good of receivers because Metcalf and Lockett are noticeably better than Sutton and Jude, and they're more explosive down the field. And I, he's kind of been figured out because defenses have realized when he doesn't have super elite weapons around him, or not super elite, but really, really good, that make you have to play careful, carefully on defense. If you can just play him straight up, Keep him in the pocket. Make him go through his reads. Make him a pocket passer. Make him throw over the middle. He gets antsy. He can't see you over the middle. He's going to miss throws. And I don't know how Seattle masked all these issues and how he played so well there. But this year, it's the thing people always say about short quarterbacks. They have to be really, really good passers inside because they can't see over the middle. And his arm has regressed some. And he has no fault to his benefit has always relied on his ability to be the best play creator in the NFL until Mahomes and Josh Allen came along. But now as he gets older and seems to start to figure out, Hey, we'll pass rushing wise. We'll let you have time in the pocket. Cause we know you ought to beat us from there. He's just cut out. And I don't know how they get better. Let's do predictions this week. This game is kind of hard to figure yeah, we're favored narrowly. Uh, this is a team that a lot of people at Broncos to, to just sort of figure it out at some point. I know they got a new coaching staff, a new quarterback. What do you got? Heart of hearts. And too mad at you if you if you pick the Broncos. <laughs> but what do you guys, what's your, gut feel, what's your gut feeling on Sunday? We'll start with you, big fella. Three of points. Win. Um, I think 18 to three. In total amount of points, I think it'll be a bit closer. I'll do 14-10. Just the Broncos' pass defense is so good that I think we'll have one mistake that gives them the short field to get a touchdown. But overall, I mean, in their last five games, they're 1-4. Their one win was in London against the Jags. So it's pretty much they can't win unless they're playing the Jags. We're, we're much better than the Jags. 
and Derrick Henry is too good, and that's all the difference in this game. Because both passing offenses are, are going to struggle, but they're handing it off to Latavius Murray and Chase Edmonds. We're handing it off to the Russian King. That's oh, a big yeah. difference. That's all the difference. That's the only difference we need. I'm going to say it'll be 14 to 10. Not as close as we think it is because the Broncos will get a short touchdown early. After that, they sputter out the rest of the game, and they drive to try and win the game, but they don't even get a first down. 14 to 10. It's a gross game. It's a Titans game. It's a win. And we move on to 6 and 3. Well, I think I saw a stat. Henry needs to average, what, 128 yards a game to reach 2,000 this year. And we play the Texans one more time. And the Jags twice. And the Jags twice. I mean, both teams that he's owned. Is that counting the 17th game? I think any stats we look at anymore are going to count the 17th. But but yeah, I mean. In that case, that's an asterisk for me. Oh, get off it. (laughs) Okay. That still means that would be like an 850-yard 16-game season, which would still be all-time great. So I would be happy. You're an asterisk. And if he gets 2,000, (laughs) went episode in two months when he gets 2000 i'm not gonna complain i'm still gonna say he's the first guy to get 2000 <laughs> actually i do okay. i do want to see so average to get it in 16 games for it to be a legitimate quote a legit okay 2000. oh god Good okay over his last grief. over the next eight games you probably think focused. aaron judge has a home run record too right cheating home run record yeah no. whatever no i no i don't know anything about baseball I still think the Barry Bonds record is legit. That's my okay. favorite. That's my I'm, favorite I'm t- cutting that out. Landon, that's Whatever. my favorite thing you've ever said. Those two. Did stations. you see the size of his head? He looked like an alien. He looked like Marvin the Martian. It doesn't okay. matter. You hit the damn ball out of the stadium. All right, oh, so it matters. It freaking matters. Get it. Okay. We, okay. This is Tennessee Titans talk, boys. This is not make me mad about baseball talk. <laughs> okay. okay, so average... For Henry thousand in his next eight games, he will need 141 yards, which is a lot. But he's playing the Broncos, who are bad against the run. The Packers, who are bad against the run. The Bengals, who are solid against the run. The Eagles, who, while they have a really dangerous defensive line, haven't been good against the run. Damian Pierce ran all over them last week. The Jaguars, who he owns. The Chargers, who suck against the run. The Texans, who he just owned for 200 yards at home. And then the Cowboys. The Cowboys game, I think, is going to be the wrench in the whole thing. But 140 yards, he's had over 100 yards in five straight games. He's been looking more explosive. He's been having a higher efficiency. We're going to get Burks back to stretch defenses. I mean, a legitimate 2,000 yards is now the question. Oh, yeah, he can do that after he lost a step, huh? But I will still stand by that, that he has lost half a step. You just said he looks explosive. Landon, I love you, but He looks explosive, but he's no longer that. He's no longer, he's no longer that walking Hall of Famer that every he strikes fear into your opponent. I think he's... Oh, like he strikes he's... fear, but he's not... You know, it's weird to see him tackle before he hits the end zone. We've seen that three times a season, and Big Fella does... Doesn't want to think about that, and I get it. And uh, you can lose a step if you're Derrick Henry and still be the best running back in the league. And I think he's gaining steam off that injury, and I think he's going to be that again. So I think you're both right in a way. You can. It's a slow burn feel. It's just got that. <laughs> it's burn fear now because now it's now he's rumbling downhill and he's still hitting you. And now instead of it being well, he's only going to get 20 carries. 
He's still going to have a big game. At least it's only 20 times I have to get hit by him. Now it's he's getting 30 over and over and over. And it's just slow cuts to death. Before it was the flash of lightning, it was he just had a 70-yard touchdown. He just broke our spirit. Now it's he's getting – he just carried the ball seven times for 50 yards. They're just using him every single play. And then we pass the ball the least out of anybody. We just run inside the red zone. It's just Henry, Henry, Henry over and over. The deep skin smacked in the mouth. And it's kind of fear that he's playing in defenses. And it's really been reading some comments about Browns fans. Oh, Nick Chubb, he has le- he has less carries, but only a little bit less yards. Oh, his efficiency. And I defend their guy. But, I mean, we talked about this. If you swap their offensive lines, Henry is going to have a better efficiency than Chubb, I think. And Henry Games is trending up efficiency-wise. Nick Chubb is at 5.4. Henry is at 4.8. He gets hot down the stretch. I think I mean, Chubb and Henry is going to be neck and neck. Henry's going to have the volume. And the Browns fans, as a Browns fan now, no one cares what they think. But to the Nick Chubb fans out there, it's Nick Chubb is an amazing talent that is being wasted in Cleveland. He's just a player. It's just a shame that he's having to live in the shadow of Derrick Henry. Well, up to that big fellow, you must be dealing with something, but... <laughs> I'm um, trying to think of something. I was just the only thing I kept thinking. Yeah, was, that's a great point. We, but we know two we, good Browns fans. We Jesse know some great Mitch. Browns fans, and I feel for them because I know they're not loving what's happened. But what can they do? Like they were telling the stories how their great grandfather was like buried in a Browns jersey or something. I mean, literally, <laughs> what do you do with that? Yeah. So it's like I think the owner ownership has put them in that position um, because he was saying that big fella, and I was thinking, you know, I've deleted them from my middle record. It's like uh, <laughs> if I had Madden, I would just like just there'd be 31 teams like i'm not thinking about them right now and no. I, i'm just not and i think collectively level that for most nfl fans it's like because i don't want to hate them i just i just don't i just wish they wouldn't play i just i don't want to think about it i feel sorry for job but it's like I, they're not the part of the nfl that i want to think about it's like the con- the concussion stuff i don't i want to Henry and and uh and all the other fun things and people that are uh, trying to focus on Hall of Fame careers and all the interesting and good receivers that are coming through. I don't want to think about all that stuff. Right. They've been in the whole Deshaun Watson saga and how that's going to eventually look up again. We're going to have to talk about them in a you know, derogatory way. So, yeah. It's... Uh, wait, my dad just texted me. I looked down and saw... Watching Mariota makes me glad he's not a Titan anymore. Ooh. Oh, Tony. Come he's on. like the he's like the hot take guy. Who knew? Because <laughs> he ain't wrong, but he is definitely hot takey. He's he's only loyal to the team, never to the players. Yeah, I think it's, that's it interesting. Like. Yeah, it is. He, Manning. He, he's a company guy. He's like a union pays his union dues, and you can, yeah, I mean, but in that sense, he's. Uh, Everybody should just do their job to him. But um, all right, guys, this week is interesting to me. We've got a game in Munich, and um, I love those early games. I love you know getting up and going to get Landon from his uh, college dorm early uh, at Vanderbilt, coming back in like at eight thirty, watching football. It rules. Um, I'm excited that the NFL made a decision to uh, play a game in Munich, and it's going to be a good game. Seahawks. Uh, well, it's a good matchup. At least it's going to be Seahawks. Um, uh, Buccaneers. I'm excited for that this weekend. What are you guys excited most about the NFL week? Woof, woof. Yeah. Well, woof. of course, the Cowboys are the primetime Fox game. They're going to Green Bay. 
we get to the Cowboys defense can make Aaron Rodgers break and pull Vontae Davis and retire at halftime. Play the Lions and funny i was muted but that was so funny because yeah. if he thought mm -hmm. having to play the lions was bad now he gets to play the cowboys who are a top three defense have arguably the, def the defensive player of the year he lost Rummy for a couple weeks he only has lazard the play calling is aggressive the offensive line is banged up nothing's going right for him and oh yeah just to repeat it last week he was going against the worst defense in nfl history that was giving up 32 points a game and he scored nine so hopefully we can see him melt down on national TV. So that's the big game I'm looking forward to. And then the other th I'm looking at is Browns Dolphins because t the Dolphins offense is looking insane. I, if they don't win the division, well, them or Buffalo, whichever team doesn't win the AFC East, that team scares me as a wildcard team if they come to Nashville. So hope for guys to where you don't see them, but the Dolphins offense is awesome. Tyreek Hill is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, which sucks because any other year, I think Henry, Derrick Henry could probably win his second Offensive Player of the Year, but this year, Hill is too good. And then the Browns, they lose this game, they're 3-6. The AFC isn't that strong, but at the same time, it's got a lot of solid teams. 3-6, and six, and like we said, getting Watson back, he's going to be two years rusty. This is a game we kind of have to win because if we think... The Dolphins are going to be a wild card team. This is a tiebreaker you need to have. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the Lions and the Bears. I really like the way the Bears have been using Justin Fields lately. They haven't stacked up wins, but man, he natural athlete, kind of like what we should do with Malik Willis. They, you know, run the ball like crazy, and I a little bit of Dan the Man Campbell. I'm uh, really curious to see what happens is um, Raiders. We've got new I mean, that's, interim that's head the coach. Garbage bowl of the year. Well, new, new garbage bowl of the year for sure, but new interim head coach Jeff Saturday. What a joke! I oh, mean, yeah, we didn't even we didn't even talk about that this episode. Like, the Colts are melting down. Do they not have to go through the Rooney Rule? Like instead of just handing a retired white guy a job i mean with i guess no i wonder if it's since it's experience interim position, the rooney rule does not apply to uh, interims and okay. uh, well yeah, i confirm that and i'm so glad you brought that up because we obviously have to talk about my favorite thing of this whole nfl season is how amazingly crazy the culture being i mean like they're showing he's showing his colors of how dysfunctional oh. he is i think ursa has behind the scenes really limited for years for years and like his press conference it's like what was he even talking about he's i joke. personally love it so much and i don't see how they it's trying to force the hand to get the first or second pick in this draft because that's clearly they hired a losing high school coach jeff everybody loves jeff saturday he's a good guy you don't the guys don't come off the guys don't come off the street and coach college teams much less the nfl that's unprecedented and ridiculous and they have a scapegoat every week. And, uh, you know, just the force losing is um, does not need any any lack of credibility like that. This is not the NBA. I think it's an absolute dumpster fire. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, to watch from the outside, I do feel best that they have to deal with half a season of this. Because coming to it, it was like, well, maybe we'll, it's, hey, we're openly a joke. We're openly tanking. And how can anyone this season and you kind of what other than building his hall of fame case why should leonard come back when he's been so banged up this he's already gotten paid 
He's going to be paid next year. They're going to try and lose. Why should he risk his body for a team that is spitting oh, no all of his effort, teammates' efforts? <clears throat> if you're Jonathan Taylor, if you're a running back that has such short shelf, short shelf life, rush back from injury when you've already missed two months, when they, oh, when they gave you such a heavy workload, don't you just take it easy, take the rest of the year off, then you're entering year four, you're going to get paid, you have less tread. I mean... If you're a receiver, you're pretty much doing Kellinger. <laughs> Even though he's a great guy, I want him to succeed. They're putting him in a position to fail because they have no one on their roster that has ever called plays at the NFL level as far as, like, an actual offensive coordinator. And I escape goes for this season now that they fired Reich and he's openly saying, hey, we want to lose as bad as possible every single week. Because, I mean, Ballard... Is he probably going to find a scapegoat at some no, point? It, he's the next guy. If Ursa is just going to go down every line. And Big Fella, it's so surprising that a guy who inherited the team from his dad has never worked a day in his life sucks at leadership. <laughs> right, yeah. Shocker. Good yeah. grief. And he's such a joke. Just And you mentioned the press conference. That was because Ursa was talking about everyone seeing the quartile of the top quartile uh, gaff. But he was talking about how to run him, but we're – but we have a winning record since 2000. It's like, yeah, you had Peyton Manning. You had the third best quarterback of all time in his prime. And then you had Andrew Luck for five more years. And you have a winning record. Shocker. And then Ballard, how the offense has been so bad and how he doesn't have receivers. Or they were talking about, no, they were talking about how, and he snapped back and he said, well, the past couple of getting at me for how we don't receive a position. And now you're getting on me for the offensive line playing. It's like, two things can be bad. Like, Titans fans can be bad at John Robinson for how the offer position have been handled. Like, two things can be an issue at the same time. And the funny thing about the offensive lineman quote in particular is, their offensive line is the most expensive in the NFL. At least ours is super cheap and it's got cast-offs and injuries. Theirs is, this is pretty much the, this is the, this is the lineup we have. It sucks, it's super expensive. My fault. I, I'm the general manager. It's not my fault that I can only have an offensive line or a receiver room. I can't have both. It's not my fault that I'm paying $20 million to a guard who no longer looks like a walking Hall of Famer. It's not my fault that I drafted two All-Pros and above-average right tackle on rookie contracts, and I pay nobody with all my cap space. And now we don't have that much cap space because I had to pay all these really good players a lot of money. It's not my fault. We keep recycling at quarterback. It's not, I've never drafted a receiver. Just they're crumbling, and it's fun to watch as a Titans fan because it's they're getting exposed as a complete joke. <laughs> it's not my fault that Landon has turned out this way and and just you know murders everybody in the league. <laughs> I think he's turned out perfect. <laughs> he hates the Colts. He just slams them. <laughs> they were people were kissing their butt all summer, and I, I didn't know it was going to literally. They might as well burn that place to the ground. I didn't know it was going to be that bad, but I'm really glad it is. And I'm glad that Landon is in his full, uh, you know, ranting on things prime for, for the Colts to be. Because if this had happened five years ago, he was too young to be in his, in his prime, calling everybody dead and just loving the fact that they suck so bad. They do! And it's beautiful. I think in the 2022 season yearbook, this photo, and underneath it, it's just going to say, it's not my fault, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I, I think or, it'd be perfect. It's amazing. Oh, God. You're already blazing to hating on the Colts, and we hope you're ready for Broncos, Titans. Really excited. It's going to be a great weekend of football.
Um, like us if you never have before on, um, on your Spotify account, podcast. It's so great to do this. Great to be back with you. Love all of our Titans fans. Share this with somebody.